Welcome once again to Refresher, the Pop Culture Therapy Podcast. My name is Chris Levine, and thank you so much for letting me take up some of your day. Hopefully, it'll be worth it for you. I'll try my best. Now, before we get into our topic this time, check this out. In only five months of this podcast existing, we've cranked out 40 episodes. This one here is number 41. We now have an audience in nine different countries. In the U.S., we have listeners in 28 different states and in 76 different American cities, not including the 14 cities outside the United States and other countries. Guys, I thank you all for your listenership. Is listenership a thing? I thank you for listening and tuning in. And, and I wanted to pass this along. Here's the thing. Doing two of these a week at the moment, I feel, is kind of taking away from the time it takes to really make each episode more original and what I want it to be. Plus, feedback has kind of told me that most can't handle or listen to two a week time-wise. So following this particular show, we're going to be releasing episodes once a week every Sunday. So the goal here is that it'll make for better shows and we'll hopefully keep it fresh for not just you, but for me as well. Thanks again, though, for all your amazing support. And we will see you next week after we finish this one here today. Now, the topic today is one that I've purposely put off for a long time. And there's a reason for that. It hits home a little too hard. But it's a good one for any who, like me, can relate to it. It involves our relationship with food, why we eat and how we eat. Now, I don't mean eating because we need to eat to survive. More like our mindset when it comes to eating food in general. Relationships with food are kind of like relationships with people. Some are great for us totally healthy. Some relationships are terrible for us. Some are passing. Some are lifelong. And our food, just like our significant others, often is at the mercy of the baggage that we bring to this relationship. Let's start by going Hollywood first. We're going to weave this in and out the podcast today. Years ago, I remember seeing a movie that really, really struck a chord with me personally, partially culturally, but mostly it was because of the subject matter. It was kind of a comedy, but it was way, way more than that. It came out in 1980, and the name of the film was Fatso. Dom DeLuise was the lead. But the supporting cast of Anne Bancroft, who actually made the film, and Ron Carey are just rock solid. They're so incredible in this movie. This film hits food addiction so on the money that it's almost scary. Right in the beginning of the movie, you see babies and children crying, being given food to make them stop crying. Right off the bat, there's a funeral for a family member who's died from obesity at age 39. And it just goes 
full locomotive from there. Now, if you are not an emotional eater and you want to know what it's like to be an emotional eater, honestly, watch this movie. I, I remember on top of this, the guilt associated with the whole back east Italianness of not eating everything on your plate or seconds, as this would be insulting to the family member that made it. All this stuff is very real. I'll give you a personal example. I remember being around 10 years old. We visited my, my Aunt Nancy and my Uncle Peter. An inhumane amount of food on a plate was put before me at dinner time. I mean, it was huge. And I was 10. Now, great food. I mean, I didn't care. Real Italian food made by Italians isn't something I run away from. Don't kid yourself. I ate the whole thing. Was there surprise at the fact that this 10-year-old put this stuff away? Was there any caution? Absolutely not. Both my aunt and my uncle told me that I was a good boy and, and gave me the same amount again within like five minutes of me eating the first plate because, Christopher, you did so good. Well, being a big boy who liked to eat, no surprise, I ate the second plate. At which time, my aunt and uncle were like celebratory. They were laughing, yelling things, half in English and half in Italian. And they told me I was such a good kid. And they loved me. And I did such a good job. And look at how much Christopher loves his Aunt Nancy. And then out came plate number three. I literally remember at that point my dad telling them in broken Italian, basta così, or that's enough. And even still, they left the plate there in front of me. The point is, is that when food is administered to you like pain medication, and when you're told you're doing a good job by eating enough for 10 children, this stays with you. It's not just a self-control thing anymore. Food means that you're filling a void for pain or for praise or for acceptance. Not everybody understands this. I've dealt with this for as long as I honestly can remember. Let me ask, are you the same way? In that Fatso movie, there is a scene, really hard to watch, where the lead character has an emotional moment. Then he sits in his car and he eats $40 worth of Chinese food that was supposed to feed the entire family at a get-together they were having. That's $40 worth of Chinese food in 1980. Now, if you never have had a food addiction or if you're not an emotional eater, this scene is probably going to be kind of funny. But if you know what's going on in this character's world, firsthand, it's not funny. It's reality. He's not thinking. You know what? He's not even hungry. He's self-medicating. He's trying to fill a hole in his heart with something that has made him feel good and safe and loved since being a baby. Food. What makes this hard is that you can't quit food like you would, for example, tobacco where you just stop forever. 
you have to eat. It's like trying to quit smoking by only smoking three times a day. You have to root smoking out of your system and then you can move on. You can't do that with food. You have to consume some kind of food every day. So the temptation is always there to rely too much on it for emotional reasons. So the problem is identified. What can we do about it? You know what? I don't know. I've tried multiple strategies over decades and I fall right back in. But what we can do is look at some practical things we can do if this sounds like us, which it definitely does me. Because while addictions are addictions, we still ultimately choose what we decide to do as hard as it is. So let's go to the Cleveland Clinic website and notice some things that we can try. One thing it suggests is it says, take a pause and ask yourself momentarily, why am I eating right now? When you walk to the refrigerator or the pantry or the vending machine, just pause and ask a simple question. Am I really hungry? If your hunger clocks in, say at a level three or a level four, eat something, try to grab something healthy. If your physical hunger is lower than that, don't. Maybe drink some water. Try drinking a cup of herbal tea, or if you have the opportunity to do so, go for a walk. Something else we can do is to swap out our worst snacks. Again, this is part of that Cleveland Clinic website. It says, if stress, anger, or sadness trigger your sweet tooth, remember this. The sugar high comes with a low afterward. This low can lead to increased cravings later. And sweets and processed foods can even make certain mental concerns worse, including symptoms of depression. We also have things that we can choose that actually fight stress. Have you ever wondered why people offer hot tea in an emotional situation? That's because tea often contains helpful antioxidants and green tea, matcha tea, and white tea, uh, when they're pure, contain an amino acid that may help reduce stress levels, calms us down a little bit. It says if we tend to snack late at night, try something like dark cherries. Not only do they offer a sweetness, but they also help increase natural levels of melatonin, which hopefully can help us sleep better. Likewise, things like salmon and other fish rich in omega-3 fatty acids can help us with sleep too. It closes with this. And I want to stress this not only on behalf of this article I'm reading from, but on behalf of Refresher too. Beyond these tips, if you need medical help to address emotional issues, ask for it. A doctor can help you tackle stress, depression, anger, or any other negative emotions with a full treatment plan. We don't have to resort to food. Going back to that movie one last time, I always found it kind of moving. During the end credits, there's pictures of the lead character and his wife, and they have kids, and you see the family growing up and growing older over the years. In some pictures, dad's in great shape. In other pictures, he's overweight again. And it goes back and forth and back and forth. This, to me, was absolutely brilliant. 
because I've found that there simply isn't always a happily ever after scenario when it comes to emotional eating. It's a roller coaster. There's peaks and valleys. I can get into a groove personally where I am just on it with health and mindset and I drop weight and I feel great and I sleep incredibly and I have energy. I want to walk more. I find myself parking farther away from places on purpose because I want the longer walk because it feels good. Fruits and vegetables like melon or peppers start to taste like candy. All that I'll want to drink is really cold water with lemon in it. And you know what this carries over into other realms? I start dressing better. I care more about how I look. But then what happens? Something inevitably hits me like a truck hitting a wall at full speed and I just want to eat to feel better. This always starts slow, but it progresses until I do all the damage that I possibly can. It's like I undo all the good and I'm heavier than I was in the first place. Uh, I've tried being a vegetarian. I did that for years. I was a vegan for years. I've done no carbs. I've done fasts. But I always wind up 100 miles behind the starting line all over again once it's over. But guys, I want to end this on a positive note because there is one. I think the key is to be as reasonable as possible. Try as a goal just simply to be balanced and to do your best. If you are an emotional eater, you're not always going to be successful. Don't beat yourself up. And listen, if you do not have this problem, while by all means you shouldn't coddle the addiction, please, please, please just realize that many times it is not blatant greed on the part of an overweight person. It's usually not even hunger. It goes so much deeper than that. Many people see an overweight person and they think lazy or greedy, but it might not be either of those things. Food may be the only thing that truly comforts that person or brings them a joy in familiarity. Food may be a surrogate for a bad relationship or for loneliness or for nerves. Food may be the thing that's always there to make you feel better. Now, I'm not saying any of this is healthy. In fact, I'll totally say that it's not. But guys, it's true. In fact, there are a lot of people out there, some probably listening right now, that just happen to be blessed with a fantastic metabolism and genes that may do the exact same thing, but don't appear to have a weight problem, but they may have the same exact relationships with food. You just can't tell because of their metabolism. The takeaway from this, as far as, as I'm concerned, don't give up when the roller coaster has a sudden drop from time to time. Power through it, bounce back, work on you as an overall person, not, not just on your body mass index, work on you as a, as a human being. If you have a food addiction, and if you're an emotional eater, work from the inside out. The more you like yourself, the less you'll need the affirmation that food brings you. I am so right there with you if you have this problem. 
along with a huge percentage of the population, we just have to believe that we're worth the effort that it takes to fight. And we have to find it within ourselves to fairly regularly muster up the power and the thought to simply say, basta cosi. We have once again arrived at the time on Refresher when we present you with a Spotify playlist that I hope will make this drive home the theme of this episode and still be entertaining. <laughs> we have for you this time around a Refresher podcast food addiction biting the bullet playlist. You can find it really easily on Spotify. Just type in Refresher podcast dash food addiction biting the bullet. Let's get into it. Track number one is a song called Drowned World Substitute for Love. It's by Madonna. It's one of her most sonically interesting and touching songs. This list, by the way, is completely soaked in atmospherical music. Um, and I thought the subject matter and the concept of a substitute for love called for it being a part of this list because sometimes that's what food is for some number two is missing by beck number three disorder by joy division number four man what a haunting thing this one is the song is called tunic song for karen and it's by sonic youth number five cuts you up by Peter Murphy off of his Deep record. Number six is a song called Don't Joke with a Hungry Man by Spanky Wilson and the Quantic Soul Orchestra. Good rare groove there. Number seven, Feel the Pain by Dinosaur Jr. I, I, I was privileged enough to interview Lou Barlow who plays bass with them and is also in the Folk Implosion and Sebado. And, and he told me that Thurston Moore from Sonic Youth called Dinosaur Jr.'s music, Peace Metal, which he thought was cool, and I, I did too. Number eight is Fill Your Cup by Myrna Garibay, who's a Texas artist. I just randomly found this song, and I really liked it, so I put it on here. Number nine is So Sad by Vincent Gallo. And number 10 is Dog Eat Dog by Adam and the Ants. Uh, in 2012, I interviewed Chris Hughes, who both produced and was the drummer in Adam and the Ants. And he then went on to produce other cool things. He produced Red Rain by Peter Gabriel. He produced the two albums, Songs from the Big Chair and The Hurting by Tears for Fears. He's worked with Paul McCartney. He's worked with Robert Plant. Very cool guy. Well, that is our playlist. Again, you can find this playlist really easily on Spotify. Just type in Refresher Podcast dash food addiction, biting the bullet. Listen all, this show would not exist without you. If you could continue to be as awesome as you have been to this point, all of those statistics I read at the top of this show are because of you. If you could please continue to pass this podcast along to your friends, that would be so incredible. Also, if you'd like to help keep this podcast stay up and running, if you have the means to do it, and if you would have the, if you'd like to do it, you can make a small monthly contribution 
All you have to do is see the support this podcast link under the episode description. It can be as little as 99 cents a month. If you are inclined to do so, that would be great. But whether you do it or whether you don't do it, I say it every week. And I say that I say it every week. I'm getting tired of hearing myself talk. Don't feel obligated. If you like the show, just listen to it. If you can't contribute, no worries whatsoever. Enjoy it anytime. This show is yours. As always, the music that begins and ends this podcast is by the band Dive. The song is called A Day Late, and it was written by Mr. John Villafuerte. But until next time, this is Chris Levine for Refresher, the Pop Culture Therapy Podcast. Everyone, please take care and do yourself a favor and remember that there's a big difference between worry and concern. And this time, we're going to see you next week. Take care.